Welcome to Security Dojo, the podcast that helps you and your organization stay oriented in the world of cybersecurity. In this episode, we will do a quick introduction of ourselves. We will then continue with some recent events that we participated in and are planning to attend and to wrap things up, giving you the latest news. Hello and welcome to Security Dojo, the podcast where we bring you the latest updates, insight and best practices on cybersecurity. I'm your host, Pierre and I'm joined by two amazing co-hosts who are also super experts in the field of cybersecurity, Stefan Schörling and Matthias Boy. Hello, guys. Hello, Stefan Schörling here. Good to be here. So, uh, yeah, Matthias. Hello, Matthias Mori here. Finally. So it, it, <laughs> finally. it took some time, but we finally started to record. Exactly. We've been talking about it for quite some time. And uh, it's yeah, really fun to get started. Um, but um, yeah, so um, my name is Stefan Schörling. Um, I work with cybersecurity. I'm leading our MDR service. So I live and breathe defender sentinel and security incidents all day and all night long um been doing security for many years uh started working 20 something years ago in in it and started in cyber security so that is uh, yeah been a few years seen a few things and uh along the years i've uh ran into to these guys <laughs> um, i think it was is a few a years thing? ago we met matthias i can't remember now but it's uh time time yeah. flies i think we have like a, a celebration soon exactly like 10 year anniversary or something so. yeah and uh, yeah that's a party yeah so what do you do uh, matthias uh, on your day to day yeah so i work uh, in um, uh, both as a consultant and also in our MDR service. So I work uh, all day long with um, Sentinel and Defender. From the consultant side, I get to see the the customer environments, help them to both uh, deploy, improve, uh, and also how they should operate their scene platform, how they should work with XDR, and we also do some incident response, which is, uh, it's a terrible situation, of course, uh, for the ones being, that being targeted uh, by ransomware operators. But at the same time, it's, um, it's a good learning experience, uh, both from the uh, responders and also uh, the customer uh, as well. I've been in the IT field for since I left school in uh, two, 2001, uh, something like that, and uh, uh, always had a, a extra eye for security, uh, done a lot of different roles within IT, and uh, but secu- security have always been there, and I really enjoy working with everything and talking everything security related. Nice. And Pierre, what's up? On your end cool yeah 
Yeah, in my end, I, I work at uh, one department called Cloud Security. Uh, so I'm also touching uh, Microsoft Sentinel and all of the Defender stack um, and also looking more deeply into um, Azure services like Azure Arc, like um, Cloud Adoption Framework, Enterprise Scale, Landing Zones, Automation and all of those fancy <laughs> words and things uh, th that we can see in, in Azure. So yeah, that's what I'm up to uh, mostly during the days. Cool. Talking and doing presentations. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really cool. Um, and uh, I mean, we live and breathe this, and we do this all all day long. And uh, we we are all Microsoft MVPs as well. I don't think anyone mentioned that. And with that, of course, it comes. We we love community. We love to love to share information. Love to share knowledge and and interact and and discuss with others from the community too because that is for me community is about sharing information but also learning from others and gaining experience by talking to others uh, getting challenged and getting new things uh, looking at things in a new way which others will have with with their eyes so i think for me community is very rewarding because it gives you so much back if you give something you usually get a lot back so for me that is and i've been around in the community for quite a few years and and especially i, I like the security community because it's very open we have good discussions and so yeah for me it's yeah this pod is about sharing information if you want to interact with us please reach out if we want to talk about some specific topic etc um so yeah for me this will be really fun uh... i also think that the security is uh, the best way to stay up to date today when things are moving really fast it's impossible to take a training for all new things uh, you wouldn't do anything else than be on a three day five day trainings and and so on and so forth so i think that the um the community actually helps to stay at top of the game all the time so you get to learn from people that uh, dive into some specifics and you can learn from them. At the same time, you share what you're working on and, and so on. And that's, uh, uh, I, I see that as the foundation of community work. Are there still five days training events or have you seen that lately? I, th I don't know what's the most common thing today, actually, but I think I've, I would guess I've seen a lot of like three days training. There's also a lot of uh, self-training where you can buy training courses online. Uh, there are a bunch of, of sites for that. Maybe that's something we can bring up on an episode and list some of the uh, sites and so on. Yeah, there are definitely five-day courses. There's even six-day courses depending on Learning Institute, etc. But I think learning models and, and how 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 gain, how to gain knowledge and how to learn and how to teach has changed over the years i've been doing training quite many years as well and uh, especially now with the pandemic i mean we've it's been a huge shift in that area so yeah maybe we could have we have a specific session on on that or um, so that's mm -hmm. interesting topic to further but the community drive into. the community has also changed over the um, during the pandemic uh, we don't get to see each other, uh, or at least during the pandemic, uh, there weren't that many 
in-person events. Uh, we see that start to change the last half year or so. And just being on these events and meeting people again is um, is really fun. And you get other interactions than being on Teams. The same thing with... Uh, I enjoy virtual events, but not the same... It's not the same thing as in-person events. And um, there's a lot of other interaction going on in the in-person events. Uh, and you can uh, meet other attendees, talk to the speakers and... Um, um, I think that's much better than the um, uh, the virtual event because when the virtual event is over, um, first thing is that you probably haven't seen the session in the same way that you do in person. You probably read your emails at the same time and and so on. Uh, but from a and after the the session, you probably jump off, uh, do um, uh, family things and uh, like other things, or get back to work. It's um, basically what you what you do when it's uh, when it's virtual yeah and as a speaker i mean uh, yeah if we dig into that i mean for me virtual events you don't get the same energy back as you get with the physical ones where you actually see the audience react on what you're saying and have questions afterwards etc now you get a, a heart or a thumbs up digitally and that is kind of okay <laughs> uh, but yeah it's not definitely not the same thing from from that perspective so i'm really glad the the physical events are ongoing again so uh, that is pretty cool so what do you think Pia? yeah absolutely uh we have been attending some uh, some virtual events uh now looking at for, for instance last uh, last year's ignite and and this year's microsoft secure uh, as examples um yeah i i think that's for, for me it's hard to to follow the sessions because we we live in a different time zone uh and and looking at recordings well m- maybe that's not giving me so much back um basically um re- reading the blog post is more more quickly into getting that information yeah yeah and if it's a recorded session you don't have the feedback interaction that we used to from working with product teams at Microsoft as MVPs. And we that whole thing goes away on the recorded sessions, basically. I have a really short attention span. So if it's a recorded session, I want to see it. I usually bump it up to 2.5 times speed so I can get through the content quickly. So, yeah, that's how I roll. But that's... Get to the point. Basically, the only person in the world that can watch three sessions at the same time and attend them all. Yeah, yeah. That's Jeez. how I roll. But anyhow, um, events. Have you been to any events or what's been, I mean, now we're, in, we're meeting people. Have you had a chance to go to any events or are you going to any events? I want to go back to last year, the uh, Workplace Nina Summit in Switzerland. I think that was my first in-person event uh, post-pandemic. Uh, and it was like a shock meeting all the people. It was really, really fun. And it, uh, people I've been working with, talking to for the last years, um, some of them were there and we could finally meet in person. And it, yeah, it was really, really fun. And you and I, Stefan, delivered two sessions there. And uh, speaking on stage again, 
was different from doing this uh, virtual talking into the void things for three years almost. Yeah, I even think we had three sessions, so it was, uh, but was a really good event and uh, yeah I, I like it switzerland is nice and uh, nice audience good questions and uh, a really great event so if you have the chance to to attend workplace ninjas in in switzerland i think it's time in september again next uh, this year so uh, vpninjas.ch if you want to go have a look and um, i visited blue hat in redmond in February, uh, so that was uh, my first time at campus. Uh, so what's Blue Hat? Uh, so Blue Hat is Microsoft security event arranged by MSRC, so the Security Response Center, and um, uh, it was really good sessions. Same thing there, I was able to meet a lot of friends and um, uh, people I've been working with at Microsoft, and also people from the community that I've been known for for a few years and haven't seen uh, for many years. So that was um, uh, really good. And of course, it's a special experience. First time being at Microsoft campus and finding a way around and everything around that. And uh, it's quite lar- large uh, campus, actually. Yeah, that's and, a massive, uh, uh, massive <laughs> campus. <laughs> but it was, it was good content. I know some session, um, uh, one of them delivered from Nate Warfield is available on YouTube and um, really interesting uh, research he did and presented there. And um, also Mark Rosnovich talked on Blue Hat and uh, there's a lot of focus on AI currently. Uh, We've all seen this ChatGPT, Bing Chat and so on. And he mentioned that uh, this year is the year it takes off. Uh, So we, everyone working in IT is, uh, on board for this huge change in in the field, which is really interesting to be a part of. Cool. Yeah, we can uh, add uh, links to to the sessions that you mentioned uh, in, in the show notes. Um, so so we we um, we can share those later on. Another event that is upcoming is the uh, Tecorama event next month in um, in Belgium it's also uh, last time I was there was in 2018 I think it was uh, Stefan was there were you there last year or to be honest I can't remember but I've been there a few times <laughs> but uh, it's also an, uh, a nice event um, in Antwerpen and um, yeah it's been very dev oriented in the past, but they've added more security focus and also more on the um, modern workplace side with Microsoft 365 and so on. So it's uh, conference growing. Do, do you guys have any sessions there that you can talk about? Absolutely. Uh, yep. We have uh, me and Stefan is doing one session. Um, and I'm doing a session with another colleague, uh, Martin Blomgren, and um, uh, the one I do with Martin Blomgren is a security automation, uh, like a 2.0 version. Uh, last year, no, two years ago, uh, we did a um, uh, voice control sentinel, 
Martin did all the coding, uh, and we were able to get everything to run in, in Azure. And uh, the um, and so basically what we did was a possibility to voice uh, to control Microsoft Sentinel by voice, which was really fun. Maybe not that useful, but it was a really fun session to do. And we talked about like uh, what's the realistic scenarios. Uh, so now the plan is to do the uh, 2.0 version of of that session and uh, taking things to the extreme. Cool. Yeah, and we have an XDR session together on just talking about Microsoft 365 Defender and the XDR capabilities and um, how you can leverage the product and, and use it in, in a good way and uh, show you some good tips, tricks, and hints. So, and One thing there that's, uh, that we usually talk about when talk about XDR in general is uh, that people start needs to start working with the tools, not set and forget, but actually have your security operations that work on a daily basis, um, twenty four seven, and so on uh, with the tools, because that's really important. And uh, if you have incidents, it's really important that you act immediately on them and uh, uh, don't wait over the weekend and see if someone picks it up on Monday morning. Uh, because it might be too late, of course. Nice. Yeah, any uh, events on your side? I think you're doing something next week, right? Yeah, next week, uh, Stockholm Tech Show, uh, a new uh, in-person event, uh, a two-day event. So I have one session about Azure Arc, um, how we can extend our on-prem uh, to the cloud and also utilizing the um, some of the Azure services available to Azure Arc-enabled servers like uh, update management, uh, auto-managed, and, and uh, Defender for Cloud uh, as examples. So I'll go through that and make some, some demos uh, about that as well. So, yeah. Cool. That will be fun to be on stage once more. I only have done quite a few virtual events, but uh, it, it is like you say, a, um, a, it's hard to to see the people because they they do have the camera on uh, the first two, three, four, five minutes, and then they are just disconnected. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they are taking. Uh, business calls and uh, looking at the uh, team's chats and uh, responding to emails instead. So it's yeah, it's quite hard to, to have that interaction. Yeah, and it's also, even if they have the camera on through the session, it's hard to, I mean, you have your content to focus on as well. So it's... Uh, exactly. It's, uh, yeah. yeah. I don't want to come off mic. And, and then all the questions in the chat um, mm-hmm. that, that you also need to take, take care That's of. Right. So, yeah. One thing I like with... Um, uh, to do when it's a virtual event is to be two speakers because then you can have the interaction between the two speakers and at least you get like somewhat a conversation which is um, uh, for me it's much easier to uh, uh, to keep up the tempo uh, the flow and everything in, in the session so I think that's um, uh, of course I would be different for, from person to person but for me it's uh, it's much easier to do that because I like the, the pause between um, uh, between slides or between demos, uh, you get like, I think it gets more natural that way. Yeah. Or if you need to take a breath or <laughs> take a drink or something, mm-hmm. the other one can continue <laughs> to talk. Meanwhile, so it's uh, uh, for me that's that's really good. Nice. 
Yeah, myself. Some other events. Yeah, I, I was in yeah, Tel Aviv in Israel, actually, also attending Blue Hat just a few weeks ago. Exactly. And uh, like Matthias said, it's a Microsoft security conference with, with focus. And the Blue Hat in Tel Aviv versus the one in, in Seattle or Redmond is, uh, I would say they are a bit different, uh, even if they're Microsoft. So the one in in uh, Tel Aviv has a lot about security research, uh, about uh, how exploits were found, how, um, so I, I think that that is more research focused and has a more, yeah, it has a local, mainly local audience, but I think like 20% is international. Um, and uh, the um, setup of the, uh, the conference is usually quite, scenic if we take it say it like that in in israel uh, it's uh, always a cool setup now this was a retro uh, theme so there were like old computer games uh, etc so you could yeah do those and then there were various security challenges uh, like ctf style you could uh, crack uh, commodore 64s etc and do uh, yeah various things like old jukebox etc so there were Cool stuff and, and good sessions um, and and a really nice vibe. Uh, and the thing with that conference this year was that uh, I think they had it the last year as well, which I didn't attend it, that it started at like two o'clock or three o'clock in the afternoon and then it ran to like 11 in the evening. So it was a different schedule setup. So, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and I think Blue Hat in, in Redmond is more corporate and uh, so, but uh, I like them both. They have their own niche and uh, so on. So, uh, but that was the event I attended uh, last time or most recent. And then, like Matthias said, I have Techorama coming up now in May. And um, we've also done some of our own user group meetings, etc. Uh, here, but um, yeah, Techorama is the next one. I'm, I'm flying out to in Belgium. So. Cool. Should we talk a little bit about uh, the the podcast it, itself? We have had some plans regards bringing guests into the show. So why did we start and uh, why are we doing this? Because yeah. we want to share stuff. We want to talk. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the um, for me one thing is uh, of course being. Um, uh, being able to to share with the community, and also to um, uh, since we sh- should probably talk about some uh, real happenings in the world and some uh, news and uh, different technologies and stuff. Uh, it could be good to like do some research for some of the episodes, and uh, that's also a way of learning. Same thing. Uh, one of the reasons why I like to speak at conferences is that you need to edge the um, the topic that you're speaking about. Uh, so force yourself into learning new new things. That's uh, what's important for me. Yeah. Having fun, <laughs> having a good having laugh. Fun. That's all. That's <laughs> yeah. But yeah, doing stuff with friends and colleagues and peers and and others. That's uh, that is uh, a lot for me. And then sharing, of course. I mean, we know a lot of stuff about Defender and Sentinel and Microsoft Security and, and other security as well. And anything we can share that is of benefit for others, I think that is uh, a good thing. Yeah, both me and Pierre have been doing some parsing lately. 
Um, oh, Jesus. We should yeah. not run into that <laughs> <Soul> today. parsing. <laughs> <laughs> should probably not run into that today. Uh, that could be its own episode. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it, it's been uh, a wild ride, but a lot of fun. Uh, and and Regex is uh, our new best friend, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's an episode on its own for sure. And so that's... Uh, <laughs> That's uh, something I'm curious about to listen in on more as well. So I, I can be uh, sitting back and relax on that session. But um, nice. Yeah. So uh, guests you mentioned. Uh, so will we bring in externals or what, what's the plan here? We have been asking around a little bit um, to both uh, some people we know in the community and uh, also, of course, since we're working really close with Microsoft, we've reached out to some uh, Microsoft employees, and they all been very happy to um, to attend, uh, which is interesting. So we will bring in uh, some interesting people uh, from both Microsoft and the community, and if someone listening in and uh, think they have uh, something fun or interesting to share, please reach out to us. Or any topic you want to hear more about. I mean, any any feedback or anything you want to hear, and any product team you want to have sending questions to, etc. We we will try to orchestrate and uh, and uh, have some good sessions. Exactly, Matthias. How how many people did you hunt down during the MVP summit last week? Oh wow, that that was uh, um, uh, that was a uh, quite a few ones. It's um... <laughs> when I didn't attend session since I was there in person, um, my first in person MVP summit, also since I joined the program in 2020, uh, the um, every time it was an, a session, I tried to uh, meet up with with someone uh, from uh, met people from a number of teams and um, uh, at different levels of Microsoft as as well. Uh, it was really interesting, and I have a, a lot of interesting things to share. Uh, most of it uh, over NDA, uh, so that's um, that's not something we can talk about outside the MVP community. And um, uh, but it it was really really useful information. Some of them, um, not only a product focus uh, like the security products, uh, but also. Uh, some un- under the hood things, how how things really work uh, in uh, under the hood in Windows and and so on, which is uh, yeah, it was really inter- interesting to hear about. And uh, in one of the session, we had uh, a coffee it was me and uh, a few other uh, security MVPs. Those pictures have been around on on LinkedIn. Uh, um, but we met with uh, Jason Weber, and um, he. Gave us a lot of information. It was really good chat. Nice to uh, of him to uh, to give us that time to have a coffee and and have a chat. Uh, so that was really really good. Cool. You you both guys have have been mentioning the um, security MVPs. That that's a quite new award category, right? Yeah, since um, last summer. I think it was in July. Some of us who previously was in the Azure uh, category uh, were moved into into the security. Yeah, categories uh, come and go, uh, and uh, I think it's my 
fifth category or something. I'm an MVP, and so they they change as Microsoft changed product names, etc. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, but you, <laughs> Stefan is a dinosaur MVP. He's been there since oh, since yeah. forever. But yeah, I think it's uh, yeah they've changed names, etc. So it's in focus area. So it it's changing over time. But yeah, security was um, coming back as a dedicated award category, and it's more how Microsoft's put their products in in context and and so on. So it shows that you're working mm-hmm. with yeah security related products in in the Microsoft stuff. So. Is there anything, Stefan? Since you've been in the program since forever, um, like, what's the what's the foundation of the program? Yeah, MVP is. I mean, I've been, I I got awarded as a Microsoft MVP in two thousand and eight. I think it was two thousand and seven. Yeah, fifteen years ago or something. And um, that it is about sharing information with the community, doing community efforts, and and helping others out. When I got an awarded, I was using something called NNTP news groups. So I was responding to forum threads in NNTP news groups about Microsoft products, uh, customers, peers, uh, colleagues, etc., having questions about the products. How should I use this product? How should I do? I have this problem. Can you help me have someone run into it? So, so I started replying to questions in those news groups. I was flying the world around and so I uh, took the news groups offline and I sat on the airplane for 10 hours and responded to questions and then I uh, landed and did the sync and then the questions got synced to the, to, uh, the news group. So, um, so foundation is about sharing information, helping others in the community uh, in your spare time and uh, Helping and, and sharing is caring, like I say. So, and uh, community has given me a lot back, and I've learned so many things just by opening up. I don't know this. Can you help me with this? And, and uh, yeah, you gain friends, you gain knowledge, and you have fun. So. Yeah, I think that's a part of of IT as well. I know when I was younger, new into the business and and everything, it's uh, it was harder to ask questions. Because it like you didn't want to open up and uh, show vulnerable. You want to like act as, as you know everything, um, which is impossible. And uh, what I feel uh, is that the more I learn, uh, based on what I learn, is how little I know. So I think that that part of asking questions, uh, ask others. There, there's always someone that knows stuff better than the. Uh, than myself and uh, being able to learn and get like the first hand information is uh, uh, is is really good and um, yeah i think that's um, i mean the key to everything but also the the development of the products and and the different features have been accelerating quite heavily uh, if we take the products that been uh, when you was uh, MVP awarded the first time, Stefan, in, in 20, uh, 2008, uh, comparing to now. Yeah, I mean, it was usually three or five year cycles before new features were released. And, and uh, I mean, that came service patch and, and small updates, of course. But now with the cadence of the innovation and things happening, it's... Uh, kind of harder to keep up and uh, like in 2012 or 2011 I wrote the book uh, and I mean 
writing a book today. I mean, it's uh, inaccurate within uh, the same day you release it. So that is, uh, yeah. Tech stack is evolving quite dramatically. So that is. Uh, yeah, I saw another MVP colleague uh, in, I think it was Twitter, uh, starting to write an updated exam book, uh, but now Microsoft are retiring re- retiring that exam so <laughs> well I, I i believe he was just about to finish the book uh, as yeah. well but yeah. yeah it's tough and i mean um always keep learning always keep evolving so that is uh yeah. and hopefully we can share some insights here on uh, the latest and greatest exactly uh, do we have any exciting news uh, in the cybersecurity world that we want to discuss and share? I think I only have sad news, unfortunately, but that is... That's news. The world keeps getting darker, I would say. I mean, we we, we see a huge increase in cyber attacks. Uh, the, the amounts of phishing and uh, sophisticated man-in-the-middle phishing campaigns are heavily increasing uh, we are seeing an increase in ransomware attacks etc so uh, it, it's getting tougher uh, and uh, the threat actors are evolving and uh, i think it's been uh, during the first months of this year has been very intense when it comes to activity from the threat actors especially around phishing campaigns and harvesting credentials uh, and then also we're seeing the yeah their Final goal is, of course, is um, making some impact, and ransomware is, is one of them. And I think it was NCC Group who had a statistics out about uh, in March. It was a 91% increase in um, ransomware attacks, with 459 affected uh, or reported ransomware attacks that they had in their threat intel. So uh, we're like fifth. Yeah, reported. Yeah, reported. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Half of them were like in in US and 28% I think was in Europe. So it's, yeah, we're seeing it um, and uh, it's getting tougher. So security posture and, and being vigilant and prepared, I think is, is uh, more key than ever right now. So The feeling I get from, from customers is that um, one thing is that it's more open discussions now regarding cybersecurity and different threats out there but also there's a different interest and buy-in from uh, from customers as well they want to do this uh, they want to be uh, better uh, uh, have a better security posture and uh, so they want to ha- want to have everything in place and well of course not everyone is there yet and uh, but the good thing is that they talk about it uh, they want to do it and it's a for many organizations, it's uh, prioritized at least, and that's something that we didn't see uh, five years ago. And it's a topic in the boardroom now, which is wasn't especially five years ago. It was not really discussed in there. So I mean, and um, yeah, ransomware is of course one of the big things that have caused this because it has a huge impact on the affected company, and yeah, everyone uh, is is worried about that the fact of, of ransomware and. Uh, yeah, I think we're taking leaps in in some areas with with customers, and but again, 
I mean, that's also some of the things we do on a day-to-day basis. Advising customers, what's important now? I mean, if we take a ROSI or return on security investment, what should you start with? Should you start with buying a new fancy firewall or should you fix your identity posture in Active Directory, etc.? So it's all about risk mitigation. So And uh, that is what we do day-to-day basis and, and advising customers around. And yeah, so of course, cool. Um, but um, a bit dark at the moment. And we also had, I think, uh, this Oracle uh, quarterly release. There were some RCEs, etc. I think it was 423 fixes they had in the quarterly fix uh, roll-up from Oracle. So, yeah. And patching is still a key key factor to to uh, to do and and we see still see customers lagging behind on on the fact of keeping systems updated uh, because of legacy systems or lack of time or lack of tooling etc and lack of visibility in in some cases as well but there defender does a great job with tvm to give you insights on 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 many of the aspects even if it doesn't cover everything but it it gives you a very good insight when it comes to the systems it's covering yeah you get the instant insights which uh, i find really important from um, uh, previously working with patching it wasn't that clear i mean you could run uh, queries and find find out what application was installed and what version and then you had to manually map that with uh, existing vulnerabilities you need to have those sources as well but now we we have everything um, fresh data. Yeah, I think that's key there. Fresh data. I mean, if you use like you run Nessus scan on on the first Monday of every month, and then you don't have any visibility until the next month. I mean, with TVM you have near real time. I wouldn't say instant though. <laughs> that's <laughs> uh, continuous continuous uh, updates on the telemetry on on updates etc. So I think that is. Uh, definitely of benefit and helps you address uh, some of some of that uh, but then again you need to have time to do it as well so but uh, are you saying that visibility is the most or perhaps not not the most but top 5 most important to to have uh, in your environment the, the visibility part yeah i mean from from various angles but if we take a vulnerability management program you need to understand your your exposure and you need to understand what what uh, vulnerabilities you have and, and that is definitely where it starts if we're talking just vulnerability management uh, if we're talking detection and, and uh, finding things of course visibility is, is key as well but if we t- talk about edr i mean fine you have the visibility but you need to have someone to act on it as well because even if t- if you see it you need to take action quickly so so it depends on the area, but if we st- stick with vulnerability management, yeah, visibility is the key. And then, I mean, if you don't see the problem, uh, it's hard to uh, take actions. So that's... And also the, the risk part of it and um, how much risk you want to have. It's um, uh, if you go with a, a paper that describes the risk and go to the boardroom, and if you didn't get the budget for whatever you you think you needed to have uh, for your security security posture, and if you go with that document to the boardroom and ask someone to sign 
and ask them to take the risk for it. I think that's, I mean, that's one approach to, um, uh, to increase the budget, of course, but uh, uh, when the risk is uh, visualized and uh, explained in a way that uh, people in the boardroom understand it, I think there's a, a different discussion uh, between those people after that. Yeah, 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 of course. And then if you take vulnerability management again, I mean, I have never run into a customer that have had all their systems patched, etc. So you will always have a backlog. And then it's important that you have some kind of support in which, where should I start? And in, in Defender, you have the impact you can work with and okay, start from the top, work your way down. Uh, so, and that is getting even better now with the, um, integrations that are coming with risk IQ, etc. So you can get gain better insights and, and get better decision matrices. But from from that perspective, that is is good. So, but yeah, back to news. Any other cool news or any happy news? Which I want to, I would like to talk a little bit about the um, automatic attack disruption. Mm-hmm. It is an answer, right? Yeah, it it is. It is indeed. <laughs> <laughs> The fine line between uh, the public preview and the private NDA preview. Yeah, so yeah exactly. <clears throat> automatic disruption, what is that? Yeah, so, so basically it's a way for uh, Defender, the, the whole XTR suite, to be able to automatically take the uh, necessary uh, mitigation steps when uh, it detects something is happening in the environment. So instead of just, if we go back to the uh, old uh, AV era, uh, detect some uh, malicious files and uh, remove it. But now we take it um, uh, beyond uh, AV, EDR and so on and take automatic action depending on smaller correlated signals. So for instance, if um, we see some lateral movement and finally there is... um, uh, ransomware uh, deployed and there's evidence of the ransomware activities uh, Defender can take actions and isolate all the uh, uh, entities that was included in, in the full attack so the isolated devices uh, disable accounts and so on uh, and that disabled accounts is something that was re- released in Defender for Identity uh, some time ago with the MDI action account, so we were able to take uh, actions on the uh, on-prem Active Directory and, and block accounts and, and so on. Uh, so, so I don't need the, any MDR or SOC service now when I have this feature? or uh, Of course, there's only uh, two scenarios that's been built yet and you still need um, the SOC to, to act much earlier. It's um, uh, When the ransomware is deployed, it's kind of the end of the um, attack kill chain. And you would like to have your uh, MSSP, or if you do it yourself, to act to both detect and act much earlier uh, in the process. It's and, a support uh, feature as well for them. If it happens, I mean, machine usually works faster than human, so <laughs> and those scenarios yeah. are very quick. I mean, if we, I mean, yeah, we've seen ransomware attacks spreading within minutes full deployments, etc. So, I mean, it's, I mean, 30 minutes and, and the whole company has been infected. So, I mean, if we have a system that can quickly act, take some remediation, etc., or disrupt it, of course, it 
it's it's good. Um, and uh, we'll see. Um, I haven't seen any active incidents with it yet. Uh, I have heard some peers in the in the community who have had it yet, uh, seen it, uh, but we'll see how it, how it works out. But to me, it looks good and and a great feature that will be benefit of, of many, um, even if you have uh, someone actively monitoring your system. I think it, it's of great use, um, and I think there will be more use cases. Now it's business email compromise and ransomware that are the focus uh, scenarios at the moment. So. And that's uh, the reason for that is what we see in the world. Business email compromise is very common and also the uh, devastated um, scenario you're in when the ransomware is deployed. So the more things that can happen uh, and help you mitigating those cases or at least acting quickly when it happens is really really helpful yeah so any cool stuff from rsa yesterday there was something announced yesterday as well right app governance is now included in e5 security so you don't have to have the Mm add-on license uh from uh, the um from june 1st i think it was uh counting from so app governance will be included if you have microsoft 365 e5 so you will be able to use that in, in Defender. And so that is also a cool thing that is um, was announced yesterday at RSA. Um, so, um, yeah, something to look forward to as well, to get better insights on your OAuth applications, what what permissions you have, they have been granted, etc. So mm, Yeah, that, that's important, yeah. So what's the... Um... When it comes to identities, the um, uh, MFA fatigue attacks, I mean, we've seen those a lot. It's very common. Someone gets prompted uh, multiple times in their Authenticator app, and uh, some sometimes you get tired of it, and you, you, you press no every time, and um, you, you, after some time you might think it doesn't work, and you press uh, yes and approve the logon. Uh, Microsoft changed a lot in... Um, was it one or two months ago when they moved everyone to... Uh... They postponed it, so it's actually happening on yeah. May 8. So... May 8, so next month we will see. Yes, exactly. So if you are on Microsoft Managed on your MFA settings, uh, you will get something called number matching enabled. So what does number matching mean? Yeah. Yeah, you you need to match the numbers that you see on the screen uh, and on your Microsoft Authenticator app. So instead of just a pressing approve or getting this fatigue exactly. approve, you have to actually enter a number that's shown on your screen. So if the number is shown on the threat actor screen, hopefully you don't know that number. But hopefully, <laughs> is it fish resistant? I mean, we we thought spoke about man in the middle attacks on. Uh, phishing. Uh, if we take Evil Engine X, is that fish proof? Would you would that be able to lure the user even if they have number matching? Absolutely. Yes, we will lure the user even in that case. So, what's the solution to sort that out? Do we have any M- fish resistant authentications? Absolutely. The uh, YubiKeys. Or um, fighter two keys, yeah. Fighter two keys. 
Nice. Windows Hello, maybe? Mm. Windows Hello is another way of, of getting this. Um, so if you have the options, of course, it may be expensive to get the FIDO2 key for all your users. But if let's start with the admins, maybe, and then maybe start using Windows Hello for, for end users uh, as, a, as a step and a support way. So, yeah. So that, that is definitely news with the MFA number matching coming up here. Um, Another thing with when it comes to um, the um, uh, man in the middle um, and uh, Evil Engine X is that I'm, of course I, I can't tell if I'm in that scenario how, how, I, how I would act uh, depending on situation everything. I mean it can happen to anyone uh, but I don't even know my password because I haven't used it. Uh, I think I used it when I uh, got my new computer um, and uh, onboarded it the first time and then I haven't used it. Mm. So if I get prompted for a password that I don't know, I wouldn't like immediately start typing it. I would probably need to look it up uh, somewhere uh, in some vault or something. and. Um, and that would give me time to um, uh, hopefully react to it. So that aiming for passwordless is also something that's that's important. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, cool. Any news that you come across, Pierre? That's uh... yeah, talking about secrets. Uh, maybe this is not uh, a news, but we have that in in public preview as of now. Um, Defender for DevOps. Oh, cool. Looking into yeah secrets, uh, vulnerabilities, and and do some uh, yeah other recommendations for our um, Azure DevOps environment or GitHub uh, environment. So a single pane of glass. Uh, looking into those repos, uh, basically, if we have any exposed secrets and. Yeah, we, we uh, had some global incidents, right? Uh, where some secrets were exposed uh, on, on public uh, GitHub repos. So that's a great new feature within the um, Defender for Cloud. Yeah, I was actually start. Um, I was supposed to do a session yes uh, tomorrow on uh, a local .NET user group. Um, a few miles away, uh, and I actually had a plan to. Um, uh, to talk about um, Defender for DevOps and um, because it's dev focused and uh, I think that's a way I mm -hmm. somehow can mm -hmm. um, um, give some value. Uh, unfortunately, the the event was postponed to to May, uh, and I'm not sure due to the uh, busy next month if I can attend to it. Uh, but we'll see about that. Uh, but it, yeah, as you say, it's it's really interesting, and uh, hopefully we stop seeing secrets in in source code and at least get help with it sounds like a, a good topic for a, a dedicated episode on devsecops on uh, software composition yeah. analysis Absolutely. and tooling around devsecops and find some cool guests yeah. who can talk uh, talk in the area as well so and cool. yeah we have many ideas sounds like so that's uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, another thing that i noticed when i i, I, I tested it tested it and enable it. Uh, I don't know that much about uh, like how repos should be 
properly managed and how to work with Azure DevOps and so on. Um, so I will probably need to get some help from you, Pierre. And um, uh, but one thing I, I noticed there is that I could send the um, uh, the logs into Sentinel. So I was able to, to follow what's mm-hmm. happening on the repo. And that's also something that's interesting from a, a detection perspective. So I think we can build a lot of interesting use case based on that. Mm-hmm. Let's do a, a lab uh, for, for that one. Absolutely. Cool. Yeah. cool. yeah, so much, much, mo- many things are happening. And, and yeah. Um. So what's what do we have in mind in terms of like episode length? Uh, we said something. Try to keep it like uh, forty-five minutes max. Some might be shorter if we want to do like one specific topic and only cover that topic. Uh, it could be shorter. Um, hopefully, uh, we won't be longer than forty-five minutes. Yeah. Good luck with that. I know someone <laughs> who likes to talk here. So that's. <laughs> What? <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. But I mean, yeah. Well, I think it's. We'll just. Um, we'll run. We'll let's set the topic and uh, figure something out, and then we'll we'll talk, and, uh, and then we'll probably have to have someone who clocks our time to to keep us on on track, because otherwise we can sit here all night and talk, and uh, <laughs> I don't mind. But yeah, we'll see. <laughs> You guys are always up late. Yeah. I mean, we don't want it to be like a Stephen King thriller, like uh, <laughs> two thousand pages of uh, podcast. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, but, um, yeah. Let's figure that out. And if you have any insights or ideas how you want the, the podcast, uh, if you prefer shorter episodes, if you want to have longer episodes, etc., just. Send us some feedback. Uh, you'll find us on on the webpage and and Twitter. Uh, feel free to uh, interact and give input. And and uh, yeah, we can talk for hours and we can keep it shorter if that is of of benefit for you. So, so guys, should we wrap this up uh, for today? Uh, I think we have a quite a long episode and a good introduction in what we w- want to do with the Security Dojo podcast. Sounds good to me. I mean, uh, hopefully you will stay tuned and listen to us on going forward. And we really look forward to this. And uh, and it was a pleasure to be here today. And uh, we'll uh, be back soon. Finally, we started with this. I'm I'm really happy for this. And uh, yeah, it will be interesting time. And uh, yeah, well, hopefully we will make something good for everyone listening in. Thank you. Exactly. Now, now my bed uh, is calling for me. I will be in on the road in in a few hours, so <laughs> I I will get a nice sleep now. Right. Take care. Stay safe. Cool, guys. See you at the next one. See ya. And that concludes today's episode of Security Dojo. We hope you find it informative and valuable in your journey towards a safer and more secure digital world. Remember, security is not just about technology, but also about mindset and best practices. Stay vigilant, keep your software updated, use strong and unique passwords, and be cautious when you're sharing sensitive information online. 
if you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your feedback helps us improve and reach more people who can benefit from our content. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Security Dojo to receive our latest episodes and updates. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for tuning in and until next time, happy hunting!